Hey, this is Steve Balton, and welcome to my turning point. Man, I had a freaking blast talking with Mod Sun about everything from Bob Dylan and his new video Amnesia to ageism, so much more. We went for an hour in a conversation that could have gone days. I absolutely love this dude. Hope you enjoy this conversation as much as we did. This is Steve Balton. You're here on My Turning Point with special guest Mod Sun. Dude, thank you so much. What I was saying, dude, this is so cool doing this with you, man. Well, we have so many mutual friends, but where are you now these days? You're you're based in LA, right? Yeah, I'm out in LA. I'm currently uh, I'm over it by the ocean right now. Woke up staring at the ocean. Who's some of our friends that we know? Oh well, Feldy, for example, I've known ah! for many. <laughs> My mentors, I've known for many years. Who is that? Kells, Machine Gun Kelly. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah, but is a, Travis is a good friend. I've, he's did my TV show. I've known Travis for years. Oh, uh, you're too this. cool. No, you'll appreciate this Feldy story, man. The very first time I ever met him, Chuck, hang on. My dog's barking. Hold on. No problem. Know that. Yeah. The very first time I ever met Feldy, right? It was at a place called Blind Dragon here in LA. And it was at a Blink-182 album release party. And I was doing an interview with All Time Low. And this fucking guy in a suit, just like we're all sitting in a row, all five of us. And this guy just slides across the five of us. And this dude looks up at me in my fucking lap. And I'm like, well, you're either an asshole or we're going to be great friends. And we've been great friends ever since. Oh, my God. That is so good. There's really no in between with Feldy. It's either you love him. Well, you just love him. Everybody loves Feldy. It's no, so dude, it was so funny. I was like, wow. But yeah. What a so guy, he, man. Yo, he is. I, we've known each other for for. Not even a full year yet, really. And like this dude has just changed my fucking life, man. It's incredible. Well, I just did a story with him and Nick. Okay, on... so that was you who did that. Yeah, yeah. So we talked about you a lot and everything. And it's funny because, you know, John is one of those people who's been around so long. He has so much to offer in terms of, you know, what he can teach you. And yeah. just from the experience. So, I mean, it's interesting to come before we come out of the video for amnesia, you know, talk about the things that, you know, you've learned being around Nick and John and just in terms of like, you know, again, like, like, I love how they were putting it. Like we can tell you which clubs, not like which clubs you need, uh, you know, shower shoes in the bathroom and shit like that. They know all the details. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it, dude. I'm, I'm just good. I, I think that's such a great place to start. And like this whole, this whole time right now for me is like, I really, really, okay. So first off Cohen coming from, you know, the same place I did vagrant records, stuff like that. Like I was a scene kid through and through. Okay. From the, the front row to being on stage. I don't know if kids these days, I was just thinking about this the other day, all my bands, we started as bands who would go up and play an entire set of cover songs. Right. I don't think anyone does that anymore. I think that whole thing is gone, but like I used to cover Cohen's bands on stage, my first shows. And like, I just, Dude, we are in an era where I don't see any artist wanting to champion their label. None. Okay. And I want to change that shit, bro. Where I came from, it was like the biggest deal to be part of a family. Right. That's all we want. Yeah. And you don't see that anymore. So like, it took me a really, really long time. I've been an independent artist for my entire career, essentially. And, um, you know, it came down to a moment where I got to kind of choose where I wanted to go. And I want to bring back something that's missing. I think there's a huge ingredient missing in music right now. And that's artists wanting to be a part of the label, you know, and loving the people at the label and having a personal relationship with those people. So I call Cohen on the daily, bro. I talk to him on the daily and we just, before we can even get into business, we, we just joke around for an hour, you know, and like and, and then furthermore, I do talk business with them. I sit there and I talk shop with him, dude. And I'm the artist. And what they're going to say to you now, typically in this world is, oh, leave that for the managers, man. That's the managers. I'm like, no, it's fucking not. 
I want to talk to my partners, you know? And that's truly like what this is with them. So we got John Cohen, who is really an OG. He is really someone that I'm like, okay, all you got to say to me is dashboard confessional alkaline trio. You know what I'm saying? And I'm, I'm with you, bro. Like he really had a, had, had a piece in those people's career, which changed my entire life. So like being a part of a, a, a label that has those roots, A, was so important. B, these guys are hilarious with John Cohen. Nick Gross, this guy is like a digital virtuoso. I don't know if people know as much about Nick Gross as I'm going to open up the world to knowing, but this guy is classically trained at every instrument, okay? He's incredible. Like, he is amazing at business because he's, he's, the, he's the younger, he's the young gun with the big noise group, right? And He's great at business because he understands this digital age. But furthermore, the dude is an artist. The dude can play every instrument. That shit speaks so loud to me. And like me and him have this great relationship as well. You know, I just had, had uh, Nick on drums and Feldy on guitar in this Jimmy Kimmel performance that we did last week. And like, that's, that's that literally, that is what I'm trying to shout from the mountaintops is like, we're bringing back the type of artist who wants to wear the logo of the label on their shirt. I'm going to go out on a tour. And this is the first time I'm saying this, but I'm just confirming it basically with you right now. <laughs> We've been talking about it, but I'm going to confirm it right now. But I'm going to be doing basically a big noise tour when I go back out on the road because I want to do what I saw as a kid. I loved Drive Through Records, dude. I don't know if, if anyone out there is even going to remember that name, Drive Through Records. But if we're going to talk about this pop punk revolution, you can't skip things like Drive Through Records, okay? There was only a few people, a few of us right now that are in this whole um, rebirth of this genre, right? There's only a few of us that were there, maybe two or three. I'm one of those people. I was there front row watching this whole thing unfold and to now be in this era where it's happening again is unbelievable. Now, the best part about it is I'm doing it with a guy named John Feldman, who if you didn't listen to Goldfinger when you were a kid, just we, we're not the same. You know what I'm saying? Goldfinger <laughs> was I was listening to Goldfinger while I was skateboarding every single day. You know, they're the antithesis of like skate punk to me, you know? And John Feldman, the best part about what me and him are doing musically is like, we're not remaking songs from the past, you know? And we're not going and going, oh, well, let's make like a, a song like these guys did back in the day. We're really taking the roots of this music, which is John Feldman, and we're mixing it through my brand new mind and coming up with this whole new formula on how to like make this genre really, really hit the peak. And like you mentioned my brother, Machine Gun Kelly, I love this kid to death without him kicking down the door with his album. We obviously would not be in this state of music right now. And um, I was fortunate enough to have co-written one of the singles on his album, Bloody Valentine, with him. So, you know, I was very much a part of that album. Not only that, but I got to um, co-direct and co-write the movie for his album and direct videos for this album. So, you know, I was very much involved with that. And, um, you know, he's my big bro in so many ways. And, and, and you know, I really do believe that he um, also played a big part in where we are musically. But like at the end of the day, man, I think I'm with the golden team. I really think I'm with the truest of the true. And like find another artist that's going to get and sit down with you and go, man, I love my label and I love how... <laughs> And I'm going to call them up today. I mean, dude, these guys that are signed to most labels, it's going to take a week to get a call back, you know? And I could call every single one of those people that we just mentioned, all three of them right now, and they're going to pick up and they're going to say, what's up? What's up, dude? What are you doing? Well, first, they'll make probably a very vulgar joke that we shouldn't put in this interview. <laughs> but then, then they'll say something about what's going on and how can we help you? So, like, that's it, man. I'm a big noise kid now. And, like, it's not only being with a group of people like this is this is what I've also been saying is like as as shitty as it might sound, I truly believe in myself 
at the highest level. I truly want to and want to strive to be one of the greatest artists of my generation, okay? And that's a story that will be told in the long run. We'll know at the end of the day. But that being said, I'm surrounded by people who actually believe that as well. And it's not like hot or cold. It's not, if you're hot, we're gonna sign that check for you. And if you're cold, sorry, buddy, the train stops. You know, I'm really with a group of people who are like, my son, your vision is outstanding and your brand awareness is like someone I've never seen. And they want to make every dream I have come true. And they're working their ass off for me 24 hours a day, man. So I'm just like so grateful. But at the same time, it's a symbiotic relationship because I'm not just taking their check and going what are you leaving them behind? I'm really shouting them out from the mountaintops that like, it's a revolution right now. And I want to bring this family aspect back into music because that's an ingredient that's not being used. Well, it's so interesting. I mean, there's a lot of directions to go in with that. And it's funny because you mentioned drive through records, but dude, you go all the way back. And it's like, you know, I mean, I got to go to the Zeppelin reunion show. The yeah. only reunion show that ever happened. Why did that Holy show happen? Shit. Because out of tribute to Ahmet Erdogan, because Atlantic back in the day was a family. Yeah. I mean, in, in 40 something, in 41 years, Led Zeppelin did one show. Why'd yeah. they do it? Out of tribute to their old label boss. I mean, so it's something that goes back to, you know, back in the day where there was that. But as a musician too, talk about having that sense of community and having that camaraderie because, you know, I've talked about this with so many artists and I've talked about it with Kells and I've talked about it with Travis and, Fame is a fucked up thing. It's a really fucked up thing. So having a community of people who've gone through it, I'm sure it also helps a great deal. Yeah. As yeah. you're dealing with all this attention. You know, I, I, I don't know how much they want me to talk about their personal life, but this is Forbes and this is a, a big deal. So like, you know, Feldy and Cohen, um, they are mentors to me outside of music as well, man. I'm two years and about a week now clean of hard drugs and alcohol. And, um, you know, Feldy is my absolute mentor. And like I said, I don't know how, how much he'd love for me to talk about what he does, but I think I'm going to anyway, because I think the world needs to know. But like, this guy runs a meeting every week. This guy gets me to meetings. This guy... Um, <coughs> pushes me to call him when I'm standing on the ledge. Um, you know, this guy really, really plays a big part in my everyday of wanting to stay in the space that I'm in, of being clean and not going back to this fucking self-sabotaging lifestyle that I was a part of, you know? And when it comes to like the fame thing and maneuvering that, it's like, a lot of people go down the wrong road because they're afraid to share their true story, you know, and they all of a sudden be, become um, the type of person who's able to share some, but not all. I'm sharing everything, man. I'm putting it all on the table. I want my story to outweigh my music. To be totally honest, I don't know if that sounds fucked up or not. I want my story to outweigh my music all day long. That's what I want. You know, if I could be an inspiration to these kids in the way of like, look, A, it's never too late, man. I'm in my 30s, proudly in my 30s, proudly in my fucking 30s. I had a timeline in my head because I've been doing this since I was 13 years old. Literally, I've been playing on stage in, like we said, cover bands, playing Blink-182 and Goldfinger songs, a whole set of them, <laughs> you know, and I've been doing it since I was 13. And, um, you know, I had like this imaginary timeline where it was like, I'm going to be rich and famous by 21. Oh, 21 came. Well, I'm going to be rich and famous by 25. Or I'm going to be, you know, everywhere I want to be by then. And they didn't, those things didn't happen. And, you know, there's this story about Jay-Z's first album that I love to bring up because I'll never forget when I found out that Jay-Z released his first album at 27 or 28 years old. OK, if that doesn't say everything to the kids in this generation in this like, you know, I love TikTok. Well, let's call it a TikTok generation. This Gen Z, they all think if they're not doing it by 21, that they might as well quit. And it's just like I want to smash those walls that have been put up. I really want to demolish those things. So, you know, I, I really believe that, like, are you familiar with what the hero's journey is? No, fill me in. 
So they say that every great movie of all time, every great book, every great movie is based around the hero's journey, which is essentially caterpillar to butterfly. You think at your last moment, your lead, your protagonist is about to die and be done. And then boom, they're hit with the rebirth, you know, and they've said pretty much every great piece of art is based around this hero's journey. And I had to really zoom the fuck out. I had to zoom out and see myself and be like, holy shit, man, I'm really falling into this hero's journey of like transformation in front of the public eye. There's been so many times that people have counted me out. Um, I will always consider myself the underdog and I will be fighting very, very, very tooth and nail for the underdog always for the rest of my life because I was that kid that was a told that I wasn't going to make it. But B, I was told that I wasn't a singer by everyone around me. I was a drummer mostly because I was told I can't be a singer. So I played drums in four different bands growing up all the way from 13 to 21. I was a drummer. Okay. And furthermore, I was Travis Barker's child at that point because I literally learned everything from Travis Barker. Um, My walls were covered with pictures of him and, uh, Without him, I don't even know if I'd be in front of you today because that's the way I found my way into this music business was through drums. But I always wanted to sing, man, and everyone told me I couldn't. So, you know, coming coming to this point in my life, like, is fame a fucked up thing? It can be, but fame is a fucking beautiful thing because you know what that means? It means I have a louder voice, you know? And that's not to say that that my voice and opinion outweighs anybody, but it is to say, hey, I have a platform that's bigger than the normal person, period. End of, this, end of discussion. That's what it is. So it's like, I'm really learning how to maneuver these things with the people around me, you know? And like, I've been trying to control it my whole life, but letting go of that control has been the most beautiful thing ever. And without someone like Feldy, specifically without fucking Feldy, man, I could have slipped up so many times in the last 10 years and blown my big shot. But here I am a week after my absolute pinnacle of making it happened, which is Jimmy Kimmel. I mean, my dad took me into that audience every fucking one, at least twice a year, once a year at the minimum when I was a kid. My parents divorced when I was at a young age. I'm from Minnesota. My dad moved out to California. I get to go see him like once a year. He'd take me up into that audience of Jimmy Kimmel and I go, I'm going to be there one day. And so I've been saying lately, like I could have won a Grammy last week and it wouldn't have meant the same as playing on that fucking stage. And like my dad passed away last year on April 20th. And I believe without a doubt that he had a big hand in making this happen. Yeah. Now, sorry about your dad. I lost my mom a couple of years ago. So I know it's one of those things that sticks with you. Yeah. You're, you know, it, it, you never get over, but it's interesting. I mean, there's so many directions to go in with that. And I think, you know, for you, I'm just curious as, as someone who's a big reader and big movie fan, what's your favorite hero's journey? When you think of the one hero's journey that inspires you the most in your hero's journey, is there like, what's the favorite, you know, literary or film hero's journey? So for a book, I'm going to say on the road, Jack Kerouac. Okay. Um, that, that book has changed everything for me. The reason I found that book was due to Bob Dylan. That was famously Bob Dylan's life-changing, um, book that he, that was his Bible, you know, and Bob Dylan is my favorite artist of all time. Um, so that's my favorite book. My favorite movie for the hero's journey would be one flew over the cuckoo's nest without a doubt. Oh God. I love that fucking film, man. One flew over the cuckoo's nest and like, God, the, you, you know, uh, the things that came before me were really just so amazing, man. I urge every kid out there, like I was just saying, like, I love to drive old classic cars. I love to listen to old music and I love to watch old films and read old books. Everything that came before me has really shaped who I am. And I love to tell people to stop just looking at what's happening right now and really dig deep. If you have a hero, like my hero being Bob Dylan, I had to then study the school of Woody Guthrie, you know, and and go to what made Bob Dylan and then find Jack Kerouac and go, okay, and then find Allen Ginsberg and go, okay. So all these things that made up my hero, I have to see the roots of that, you know? And so I love to just talk about these things. And that's a great question to ask because I, I urge 
everyone, if anyone out there, <laughs> all my people or any new people are enjoying me at all, I urge them to see the roots that made me, you know? All right, well, we're going to come on to Amnesia in one second because I don't know how we're going to do on time. But, you know, before we come on to Amnesia, as a Dylan fan, I'm going to ask you. Yeah. The one Dylan song you wish you had written and why? And I know that's oh like my a hot question. Gonna, I'm going to give you two. Um, okay. One, the first one is Boots of Spanish Leather. Uh, Boots of Spanish Leather. Uh, it is like, from what I take when I listen to it, it's like this him reading his love letter sent to his love and then reading the love letter from his love and each verse switches. It goes from the letter that this woman wrote him while he's across seas and then he's reading his reply to her and it is so mind-blowing. It is also so heartbreaking like how honest this guy is in this song. And again, this is what I take. We're talking about Bob Dylan, the man of mystique completely. So who knows if I'm completely wrong, but I think that's the beauty of music is you get to kind of create what story you believe it is. So I believe it's this tale of two lovers who are separated by a, uh, uh, the ocean and one of them is overseas and the other one's going, hey man, I'm still over here. Do you remember me? And he's going, well, I'm over here and all these amazing things are happening. And it ends by going, is there something I can get you? How about some boots of Spanish leather? And, um, so that song, first off, second one, Shelter from the Storm, because, you know, that song, uh, it brings a tear to my eye every time because I really do think of all the people that have been my shelter from the storm. And I think of all the people out there that I provide this shelter from the storm to. And um, man, ladies and gentlemen out there, if you are not Bob Dylan fans, at least give those two songs the, the, your ear and your attention this man is is the greatest, as far as I'm concerned, the greatest songwriter of all time. And if you don't appreciate someone who is releasing songs still to this day, still to this day, he dropped a song last year about JFK's death and it was on the Hot 100. <laughs> I mean, dude, that's my hero. That's all I want to do. I want to do this till the day I die. I want to be singing on the day I die, man. I really do. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, and it's funny, blood on the tracks, my butt. It's hard to pick one, man. I mean, you know. Blood on the tracks, bro. It was, you know, the, the story of that album. So I, I was born in Minnesota and I was born in a town. I lived in a town called Corcoran, Minnesota on a farm. And um, Dylan famously has a farm over there in Minnesota. So we would pass it all the time. But there's this amazing story about Blood on the Tracks album, about him recording an entire album in New York City. He comes home for the holidays, plays it for his brother. And his brother goes, yeah, I don't like it. And he goes, really? He goes, yeah, I don't like it. And Bob gets the whole band to fly out to Minnesota. They set up in his farm and they re-record the album. And that's the blood on the tracks that we hear now. All right. Amnesia, just because I don't want to, you know, short changes, dude. I mean, we're premiering the video on Friday. And it's Thank funny. Thank you so much. You what an also, honor, bro! You and I could also talk Dylan all day long. I love it. Well, we're going to have to do a follow-up. Yes. Well, this is like geek out on Dylan. But yeah. So tell me, you know, it's funny going back to, you know, co-directing the video for Kells. Yeah. I mean, you know, talk about how that then inspires you for your own vision. And, you know, because I talk about this with artists all the time, right? When you're around other creative people, and this goes back to what I was talking about, the sense of community and camaraderie, yeah. it inspires you. So talk about, you know, how working on his video, or maybe it doesn't, but still just being oh. around that creativity, then great. inspires you. Great question. You know what? This video for Amnesia, we're going to get into what the concept is, but it started by this. So Machine Gun Kelly is and has been my best friend for the last 10 years. Okay. Um, he is my voice of reason. I play my music for him before anyone else hears it. And um, not only that, but we spoke last night for an hour about something completely not about music at all. You know, we're there for each other truly. I will never forget a moment that happened about a year ago. Um, I walked into Kel's house and he was like, I believe he was maybe looking at my social media when I walked in and he looks at me and he goes, I don't see this guy on your social media. The guy that just walked into my house, he is art. He is the epitome of art to me. Now, again, I'm, the veil of narcissism is slowly coming off, but I'm speaking from his voice. He says, this guy in front of me is art. 
He's always been art. And every time I see him, I think of how the world needs to see this that I get to witness every day. And I don't know how you're going to do it, man, but you need to figure out a way to be this guy that I get to interact with every day on the internet. I need you to figure it out. And I was like, holy shit. And that quote about him saying, you are the art. That is what this video amnesia is all about. It truly is. And I'm not even kidding when I say like, when I went to write this treatment, I literally was like, holy shit, Kells always tells me I'm the art. So why don't we make a video that's me being the final art piece, okay? We're in this wild, wild west world of NFTs and all this new art happening, right? And like, great, great thing to be talking about this NFT stuff on Forbes. But like, we're in this world of NFTs, which I think is brilliant because now we don't just have a gallery in Soho. Um, we have galleries every single area on the internet. I think it's very, very cool. Um, that being said, I made a video about an art collector and a huge, I wanted to make a video about this person who is the biggest Mod Sun fan in the world. And they have been collecting every piece from Mod Sun that they could get. And the final piece is Mod Sun himself. And the whole video is about her going out and getting me as her final piece to own. And I was like making this about when is this world of collectors going to stop? Like, because me as a Bob Dylan fan, dude, I will literally take anything. I'll take a shoelace. I'll take a toenail clipping from Bob Dylan. I swear to God, and I'll put it in a case. I don't care if it sounds disgusting. I will. And so I'm like, when does this world of collection stop? It does it only stop once you actually collect the person? Is that the end goal? And that's what I made this video about. Amnesia is about someone that's so crazy about an artist and such a super fan that they had to collect the final piece, being Mod Sun. So it, it's so interesting. Also, I love the fact in the video, though, that you very consciously went for this much, much, much older woman. Yes. You know, and talk about that and, and the idea of this, you know, like, again, I just think it's cool because also it kind of plays with, you know, I think there's this idea sometimes of ageism that like, you know, music is like defined by certain, you know, genres, ages, boundaries. And Ooh. it's just like, no. Oh my God. I'm so, so happy that you just said ageism, bro. For real. God, it's a fucking killer. And I'm going to tell you right now, bro, you again, like you're, you're an inspiration to me right now. You're, you are like just great at what you do. You're energetic as fuck. You seem cool as shit. And it's like, I do believe that there's this whole ageism that happens in this business that cuts people off. And like I was talking about earlier, I want to smash these walls down, man. Like I really do. And if I can have any way of doing it, that's what I'm going to try to do. And like, you know, so, so here, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you one of the first things that, that really pointed me in the direction to do that, to put this older woman in there. Um, so I write books, okay? I have a book. It's my first book I ever wrote. It's called Did I Ever Wake Up? It's actually sold over 200,000 copies. Up until last year, it was the only way I've been making money my entire life. I'm not kidding. So I have a book called Did I Ever Wake Up? And I have this story, okay, about this book. This, this woman, okay, she was much older than me. I think she was probably in her 60s. She came to one of my concerts. And she brought her daughter with, and she walked up to my, to my, uh, my merch booth, and she said, I want to thank you because my daughter ordered your book three years ago, and a book arrived in the mail, and I'm going, what the hell did my kid order a book? I can't believe <laughs> it. But I'm going to read this book before I give it to her because this has got to be some weird shit for her to want a book. She read my book, Did I Ever Wake Up? And fast forward three years later, his or her daughter's not a fan of Mod Sun anymore. <laughs> but she goes, I'm going to Mod Sun's show. The mother does. And she came up to me and she said, I want to thank you for writing that book because it saved me and my husband's marriage. 
And right then and there, I was like, holy shit, man, there is a chance for me to really be speaking for the human being and the human condition. And the human condition has no fucking age, man. We are all trying to figure it out every single day. And if you think that you're going to get to a point in your life where all of a sudden it all makes sense, you're nuts. You're fucking nuts. This shit just doesn't click. This is the constant journey, man. And like, you know, I think we're all giant pieces of marble. And, and like the statue of David, the quote about statue of David is, is my favorite thing in the world. They said, how did you make the statue of David? And he goes, well, I just chipped away the pieces that weren't him. And I'm like, that's what we're all doing. We're all out here, giant blocks of marble, and we're chipping away the pieces that aren't us. And below that block of marble lies this fucking masterpiece. And we all have a masterpiece in us. And, you know, I totally believe that I'm making music meant for the human, you know, not meant for children, not meant for teens, not meant for people older than me, meant for everybody, you know? And I think that's something that Bob Dylan instilled in me is like, I, I was this young 16-year-old listening to this dude that was far into his 60s or 70s when I was that age. And I was having epiphanies with every lyric. And, you know, from that moment on, I started Mod Sun and I made this goal that I want to make every piece of art from the lens of being dead and gone already. And I have never stopped doing that. I want to, I totally believe in timelessness. I really do. And in this age of disposable art, I want to be someone pushing timeless art. I don't talk about what's trendy for a specific reason because I want this shit to live forever. And like, I, I listen to music that I released five years ago and I go, oh my God, this is so much better now. I understand why no one was fucking listening back then <laughs> because it's so much better now. It gets better over time, man. And like, that was, you know, your question was why I put this older woman in there. It was like, I want to push that like, first off, it, that there's so much beauty in age, you know? I, I was just talking to my my team the other day and I was like, I want to do a magazine shoot where I'm just like showing off everything unflattering about me, you know, no edit, no nothing, fucking remove the filters and let's call it every wrinkle is beautiful or something, you know? And like my mom said this the other day, dude, I'm not kidding. We're in Hollywood. Okay. And like <laughs> we're driving down the street and my mom's from Minnesota. She comes out here to visit. She finally, she's, she's, she's all, you know, taken care of. She gets to come out here. And we're driving down the street and we pass this Botox clinic. And I look <laughs> over at my mom and I'm like, what do you think? You want to do that? She goes, are you fucking kidding me? I love looking my age. And right then and there, I was like, mom, that is the coolest thing you've ever said in your whole life. And I don't know if you're ever going to say something cooler than that because you just hit me where it counts. She said, I love looking my age. And I was like, that is something that this world needs to hear more of. We need to be told that it is like the badge of honor to get old, man. Getting old is fucking means you did it, dude. And like, I have the whole 27 Club tattooed on my arm up here. That was where my, my, all my heroes, you know, the whole 27 Club. It's one of the first tattoos I got. And like, I look at them and I'm like, I don't think they wanted to die at 27, man. I really don't think they did. You know, I think they would have traded every high, every dollar even for another minute, you know, and I think that about life all, all the time. You know, I really do think that people don't want to die young, you know, and if they got the chance to live old, they would. And, um, I really want to push that. I want to push this and not be like, all right, let's cast the young cool model. No, man. Let's fucking not do that, you know? And this video specifically was built off of that. I wanted this older woman to be my biggest fan. Uh, you know, it's interesting. We'll wrap up in a minute, but before we do, I got to ask you about too. It's funny because, you know, you mentioned playing for the human condition for people of all ages. And now that we're nearing that point where live music can come back, and of course you've had all the success during this time when you couldn't play live, <laughs> you know, talk about, you know, what would be like sort of the dreams for you in terms of now getting to go out and play to people of all ages and to have that, you know, I mean, again, like, you know, I've talked about this countless artists and when you're playing to a show that's 60, you know, people from six to 60, yeah, it's such a rush. So for you, 
talk about that excitement of being able to go out there and, you know, soon. And also then, you know, what songs are you most excited to bring to the stage and see how they change with an audience? Because look, when an audience hears a song, they make it their own. Absolutely, bro. And you know what? I made this whole album, Internet Killed the Rockstar. I actually made it to perform. You know, it was probably one of the first times I've been told my entire career, bro. This is the, so look, like I said, I've been a drummer my whole life, drums and bands before I ever touched a microphone. Okay. And um, this album, Internet Killed the Rockstar is the first album of Mod Sun that I've ever played drums on. And I played drums on every song on my album. And I have been told, so that's one of the proudest moments right now is like, I made an album that I played drums on every track and all those hours that I put in from 13 to 21 were not fucking wasted, you know? Um, I think that's so beautiful is bringing, bringing, you know, filling up this suitcase with all the things that you learned in your life, like my love for pop punk and, and the scene and emo music. Like, I thought that was never going to come in handy. Well, here we are. It's like you hear the word fucking pop punk every day, you know, and, and it's just like, oh, my God, all those things that I learned were so useful. So, like, I got to play drums on this album, Internet Killed the Rockstar. And right then and there, that changed everything for me because it adds this special extra energy that you know and I know that we haven't been hearing in, in popular music for the last eight years. We've lost real drums, okay? We are in the rebirth of real drums. Shout out Travis Barker. Always, you know, he kept pushing it. But even Travis was making songs that were just trap drums, you know? And, like... It was just popular music lost that energy. You put a real drum under your fucking music and it's more energy. However you cut it, there's more energy going on. So like I made this album specifically to be performed live. I've been told my whole career, your live show is the best part of Mod Sun. And if you could ever figure out how to capture that into an album, you'd be good to go. I figured out how to do it with this album. And like, the songs that I'm, you know, I, I'm obviously so excited to play Flames live, which is my song with Avril Lavigne, which has been the fastest growing song of my career. It's been the first song that I've ever had go on to the radio. And um, to be able to do this, man, and hold the mic out, you know, it's just been a dream of mine my whole life to just let the people sing because I've been that kid in the crowd singing every lyric and every word. And you know where I come from in the scene, people like John Feldman would shove the mic in front of you if you were in the front row, you know, and you get up. Yeah, yeah. So like, I've been waiting for these moments my whole life to be able to have the crowd sing these songs with me. So like flames, I'm so excited to play this song of mine called karma. It's like, built off of what we call in the industry a gang vocal. You know, it starts off with a gang vocal. For everyone out there who's not familiar with that, a gang vocal means it sounds like you got 15 people singing with you. I hope you choke on every... I know when I hit the beginning of that song, the entire crowd is going to be my choir and I'm going to be singing with them and it's going to be so incredible. Um, and then I would say the third one, well, I'll do two more. You know, there's this, the last song on my, the original version of my album, Internet Killed the Rockstar, there's the, is the title track, Internet Killed the Rockstar. It's me and a guitar. Until the very end, you get about 30 seconds with giant anthemic drums. But I am so excited to have an acoustic song. Normally acoustic songs, they're slower. They're more of a ballad. This is like a, an upbeat, you know, a lot of pop punk. We talked about Dashboard Confessional and stuff slightly earlier because of John Cohen, but like Dashboard Confessional was making faster acoustic music. And I think a lot of pop punk and emo music and all that, whatever you want to call it, is based on upbeat acoustic shit. And um, I think that's been missing in this whole revival of it. So I made this like really up-tempo acoustic song that like I cannot wait to play live. It's just a spotlight, me and a guitar. I think those moments are so pivotal. Um, and then the last one would be this song, Amnesia, because it's like, I am no best when I see ya. I know I'm gonna be able to go, oh yeah. Like, and it's just one of those things where it's like bringing everyone with me along the song, being able to write lyrics that are digestible and, and easy for people to to attach to and also like easy for people to like really, really remember, 
you know, has been a big thing for me on this album. I've learned how to go so far over people's heads. I've been the biggest fan of abstract artists my whole life. And I've learned how to go over people's heads. And because of that, I've learned how to come right back down one notch and be able to land in the most digestible line to walk, you know? And I think I made a really digestible set of songs here that is really made for the audience. You know, I had that in the back of my head going like, I want everyone to sing these lyrics with me. So I'm not going to get too fucking crazy here. I want to be digestible. I want to be relatable, you know? Spent so much of my life being polarizing, you know, love it or hate it. And I wanted to find that tightrope that goes right in between it and be able to walk that thing. So, you know, I'm really excited for, for this whole set of new songs. Like I said, playing real drums on this shit has been one of the proudest moments of my life. And I think that a lot of it is angled towards live music. It sounds live. John Feldman was, gave me the ability to really <clears throat> go stand in front of the mic and perform and not sit there and try to be some fucking, you know, professional singer. God, perfection is the most disgusting thing in the world to me. So like, John Feldman understood that, like, I hate perfection. I don't want to be perfect. I want to be human, you know? And if I make a mistake, that's almost more beautiful than doing it right to me. <laughs> so it's all geared towards that, man. And, like, yeah, I've really pushed myself to be able to have this, like, younger audience and, and, and also this older audience because I do believe, you know, hand, to, hand over my heart while I'm saying this, I do believe I'm a great, great influence on this world. I do believe that I am someone worth looking up to and like love it or hate it again. There's all these artists in this world that don't ever want to show that let, let down that, like I said earlier, that veil of narcissism and talk about themselves in a way that's like that they think they're great. I think I'm fucking great at what I do, man. I think I'm a great influence on kids out there today. And because of that, we all know that kids ride around in the car with their parents. They play those songs. And I get messages every day. Oh, my God, my mom's the biggest fan of you now, dude. She asks me to put on your music every time we get in the car. And like, dude, I'm proudly, like I said, in my 30s, you know, I've had people around me in the last couple of years be like, maybe don't say that so much. Maybe <laughs> try not to be like, I'm in my 30s. And I'm like, fuck you. Fuck you, man. I'm in my fucking 30s. I'm so proud of it. I've made it here and I'm just getting started. I am from the school of Bob Dylan and I'm going to do this shit until I'm 90 years old. So like, <clears throat> yeah, man, I think I've opened up the door to really have that giant um, set of old and young inside my shows, you know, and that that's a very proud thing for me. Cool, dude. It does seem like a good wrap up note. Anything you want to add we did not talk about? Because we covered a lot. We'll, we'll, you know, we'll follow up on other stuff because we could geek out on Dylan and other stuff all day long. I think we got to do a Dylan follow-up, man. You know, my last tour that I, that I was on, um, we got a week and a half into it and then COVID shut it down. But my opener was Pablo Dylan, which is Bob's grandson. So, like, uh, you know, we could, we, I have some great, uh, great inside stories, too, that we could talk about, man. But I'm actually talking to Jacob this week. Oh, God. See, that's my guy. I've actually got to spend a lot of time with that family, man. And they're all wonderful people. You know, there's something special about about when the blood comes from the Midwest. I'm not going to lie. Um, oh, dude, before I let you go, one thing I'm going to ask you about, because, you know, the people who put on Bottle Rock are friends of mine. And this is not running ahead of time. And, you know, so I know that you are they've sent me the and yes. that lineup is ridiculous. It, it's a, I can't think of another festival since Desert Trip. That's had three Rock and Roll Hall of Famers as the headliner. Dude, I am so, so excited, bro. I've been wanting to be a festival artist my whole career because I think that I'm like, you know, I, uh, what's it called? I think I'm like a jambalaya of music, you know? I really think that I'm like made up of so many different things to create what I do. And I've always been like, man, put me in front of an audience that's there to see 10 different genres and I'll kill it. And I'm just like so excited, bro. This is going to be my first big festival I've ever played. It's going to be the first one announced for me. I got a bunch of cool festival looks coming up. But this is like when I, I just signed with um, with CAA proudly. I've been waiting to get an agency for so long. I signed with CAA and I was like, listen, guys, all you got to do to make me happy is get me on these festivals. And they're doing it, dude. So I get to be on these festivals. And if you're going to be there, we're hanging. I'll definitely be there. I love that, ah! one, man. It's I mean... Yeah, we'll definitely hang. It's fun. So 
for you, are there any artists that you are particularly excited? Have you seen the lineup yet? Or I haven't no? seen the lineup, bro. I haven't even seen it. They're, they're announcing tomorrow, so I haven't even seen the lineup. I right, said so the headline. Well, here, I'm going to, I'll, I'll give me. you an exclusive now and you can give me a response to some of these. So the headline, that's why I mentioned the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, the three headliners, Guns N' Roses, Foo Fighters, and Stevie Nicks. Oh my God, bro. Stevie? Stevie Nicks! Oh, that's crazy. And, and then in addition to them, it's like Miley Cyrus, Megan Thee Stallion, G-Eazy, Run the Jewels, and G-Eazy's awesome too. Brandi Carlisle, who I fucking love. She yeah. is amazing. Future Islands, like James Murphy doing a DJ set. Chromio, it's such a good lineup, dude. So eclectic. You know, me and G-Eazy have like eight or nine songs together. We've been friends for over a decade as well. So I can't believe we'll be hanging out that day. I mean, dude, Foo Fighters, a drum, uh, me being a drummer, to, you know, who came behind the kit to sing, who could I look up to more than Dave Grohl, right? Yeah. Well, it's funny because I always forget about Grohl for that, even though, like I said, everybody does, dude. Because I, I think of them like, I, you know, being older, I go back to, I'm thinking of like Phil Collins yep. and Don Henley. Yep, we're the only exactly. two I could think of, you know, but because they were drummers who became the successful singers too. But yep. yeah, and by the way, I mean, I love Taylor Hawkins too, dude. One of the nicest dude, dudes in music. Dude, Taylor is a beast. Taylor is a beast, bro. He plays like a motherfucker. There's very few people who add that, um, that undertone that like you could take the greatest drummer in the world, put him against Taylor Hawkins on record, and you're going to choose Taylor's drums because you can feel the energy. Yeah, and an awesome dude, dude. Cage the Elephant's playing too, Phineas. It's just such a good lineup. Oh, I love Cage the Elephant. I've loved their journey, man. I love their journey, dude, because they've really popped off, what, almost a decade ago? Yeah. Yeah, and they're still just getting bigger and bigger every day. I love those kind of stories. Wow, dude, what a fucking lineup! All right, well, dude, I'm glad I got to share it with you first. It's funny because, again, you know, they send it to me. They're announcing tomorrow morning. I know those guys, so they sent it to me so I could have the story ready tomorrow morning. So, you know. Oh, you're so and cool. I mean, and, and, you know, last, but I mean, it's funny because we mentioned Foos. Mentioned, I mean, you know, for you, and you obviously appreciate where you're coming from and the fact that it's been a longer journey, which I appreciate as well. So, you know, think about the fact, could you have ever imagined being on the same festival as Stevie Nicks and Guns N' Roses? I mean, bro, I've got to be dreaming. I got to be dreaming because as much as uh, as much as I did believe in myself always, it's like, you know, you got to you got to step back. And like I said, zoom out and just be like, this is a miracle happening. So, I mean, yeah, the little kid in me is definitely going crazy. I'm definitely going to call my mom and tell her that right after this, because I don't know if there's a bigger Stevie Nicks fan than my mom. So, all right, then how awesome is it that you get to bring your mom as an artist and be side stage to watch Stevie Nicks? I'm going to. I have to do it. <laughs> I mean, as an artist on the bill, you got to take the, all right, cool. What's the, what's the, I swear this is the last question, but I mean, we'll geek out on artists all day long. The one song that you want to sing along with your mom to do, Stevie. Oh my God. If she sings uh, Leather and Lace, you know that one? Of course, with Don Henley. Yo, if she, I mean, of course, that's a duet, so who knows? But that one is probably my top, I mean, that's my top Stevie song, without a doubt. Cool, dude. What do you want to add we didn't talk about? Oh, man. Just, it's going to be a great time. It's going to be a great time. I'm looking forward to everything, and, and truly, this is an honor being on here. My album, Internet Killed the Rockstar, is out. I just released a deluxe version. I'm going to be pushing it all summer. I've got great things coming, and uh, I can't wait. You know, the, the next thing that's on the bill is me and um, my friend Machine Gun Kelly are going to be dropping a clothing line this summer. Um, I'm about to do some video directing for a good friend of mine named Black Bear, and, uh, and you know, this amazing woman named Avril Lavigne uh, has a new album coming very soon that I got to help uh, co-write and co-produce. So, like, you know, it's going to be a great summer for Mod Sign. And I'm very, very, very grateful to be here. Again, this is like a badge of honor to me. So thank you, brother. Cool, dude. What a pleasure. <laughs> well, hey, listen, we got to do this again. We got to do it again. Oh, we'll definitely do it again. I mean, ask Travis, ask Kels. You know, once we know each other... Yeah. I, I literally have interviewed both of them like at least half dozen, dozen times. So we'll definitely do it again. We'll definitely hang at Baller Rock. And, you know, like yeah. I said, Feldy's been a friend now for years. It's so funny. You know, he gets on the phone with me. He's like, oh, you again, dude. <laughs>
<laughs> Yo, I'm going to have to get Feldy out there to bottle rock with me. He's going to have to be on guitar or something. Nice, dude. All right, dude, a pleasure. Great talking with you, man. And we'll, uh, we'll definitely hang against him. Thanks so much, brother. Hey, this is Steve Balton. You've been listening to My Turning Point with Mod Sun. Hope you enjoyed this one as much as we did. Thanks. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.